Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's good to have you with us here today for the Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It's Monday, January 2nd, 2023. And today we uh, resume, actually, our catechesis through the infancy narratives of Jesus, in particular today, the circumcision, purification of Mary, and presentation, which is two holidays in one. Uh, we heard one of them yesterday, and so hopefully uh, you were able to join us in person. If you weren't, you know that the uh, uh, video stream was a little less interactive than usual, um, so it goes. I had a last minute just kind of uh, call in some help to run the screens, but uh, of course, running the uh, the stream is another story. All right, so, um, but faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So hopefully you heard the word and we're encouraged and strengthened yesterday in that. We're going to actually dig a little bit deeper today into uh, circumcision, uh, but also the purification of Mary and the presentation, which is celebrated later, uh, well, in 40 days. And we'll I'm sure, probably recognize it, I'm sure, on our Wednesday service. All right, so let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Good. Memory verse for this week. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Matthew 7, verses 7 through 8. Our psalm this week was our psalm for yesterday. Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth! You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and infants you have established strength because of your foes, to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man? that you are mindful of him, and the Son of Man, that you care for him. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Of course, you can see why uh, the psalm was appointed for yesterday, especially the Antiphon verse being verse 9, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. That word majestic is interesting. Um, I didn't actually look up the Hebrew, but um, even in English, I think you get the idea. Um, you know, Usually, majestic is something with beauty, or scale, or dignity right? Uh, solemnity, but magisterial, I think you need to know maybe the uh, etymology of the word, right? Um, it comes from to govern, to be sovereign, right? So it's more than just simply uh, 
uh, beautiful or glorious, but it actually comes from that he is the king, right? And by his name over all the earth. He is Lord of lords, God of gods. His, at, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, right? So that's his name. Um, so it is appropriate for this week. Our catechism this week is, well, finishing out the Lord's Prayer, its explanation. So today, the seventh petition, but deliver us from evil. What does this mean? We pray in this petition in summary that our Father in heaven would rescue us from every evil of body and soul, possessions and reputation. And finally, when our last hour comes, give us a blessed end and graciously take us from this valley of sorrow to himself in heaven. Conclusion. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. What does this mean? Amen. In other words, what does amen mean? This means that I should be certain that these petitions are pleasing to our Father in heaven and are heard by him. For he himself has commanded us to pray in this way and has promised to hear us. Amen, amen, amen means yes, yes, it shall be so. Yay, yay, it shall be so. Okay. Our first reading today is a background for the purification and presentation. That is from Leviticus chapter 12. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, If a woman has conceived and born a male child, then she shall be unclean seven days, as in the days of her customary uh, impurity. She shall be unclean, and on the eighth day the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. She shall then continue in the blood of her purification thirty-three days. So shall she shall not touch any hallowed thing, nor come into the sanctuary until the days of her purification are fulfilled. But if she bears a female child, then she shall be unclean two weeks, as in her customary impurity, and then she shall continue in the blood of her purification sixty-six days. When the days of her purification are fulfilled, <clears throat> whether for a son or a daughter, she shall bring to the priest a lamb of the first year as a burnt offering, and a young pigeon or a turtle dove as a sin offering to the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then he shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her, and she shall be clean from the flow of her blood. This is the law for her who has born a male and a female, or a female. And if she is not able to bring a lamb, then she may bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons. One is a burnt offering and the other is a sin offering. So the priest shall make atonement for her and she will be clean. Okay, so there's the Levitical law pertaining to both actually the circumcision and um, the purification, ritual purification. Ordained by God, by the way, Leviticus. Good. And then our reading for catechesis is a continuation of Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. And when the eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, His name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now, when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, there it is, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. There we are. All right, so uh, just a few verses, but actually quite a bit going on here, so it's worth uh, considering. First, um, the rite of circumcision. 
an obligation under, under the um, Levitical law. Well, actually, it even predates the Levitical law, doesn't it? When was it first instituted? I actually studied this, oh, not that long ago, just a few weeks, short weeks ago. As we were going through Genesis, it's actually Genesis 17. It was the third time the Lord made his promise to Abram. That's when he got his new name and the rite of circumcision was attached, right? So the naming and the circumcision went together for Abram. So it goes together for Jesus, right? Um, and the promise was, let's see, Genesis 17. Uh, here's your new name, Abraham, for I've made you the father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. And I will give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, a land of Canaan, an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Right? And then as the sign of the promise of the covenant between me and your descendants, every male child among you shall be circumcised on the eighth day, eight days old. All right, and then of course, Sarah gets her new name too. All right. So Genesis 17. So it's it's been attached to the promised offspring, right? Which was immediately fulfilled in Isaac, but ultimately fulfilled in Jesus, right? And that promise of all the nations and the kings coming from him and the inheritance of the land, land is all connected um, to the promise of the circumcision. Uh, yesterday, I was doing some more research on the circumcision. I'll share this with you now. And uh, uh, Valerius Spangenberg, um, who wrote a whole series of commentary, or is this Johann Spangenberg? Which Spangenberg is it? Uh, oh, it is Johann's, Johann Spangenberg, right? Who's a musician, actually, and a contemporary Luther. Um, but he wrote a whole series of commentaries on the, uh, epistle and gospel. Listen to what he has to say about circumcision. I thought this was really helpful. Um, why did God prescribe circumcision, right? So again, these are catechetical questions and answers for three reasons. And I love this. The first reason he prescribed circumcision was to make a fool of clever lady reason who always undermines God's word and works. When she sees this work, circumcision, it seems ridiculous to her. Behold, she says, couldn't God find another way to make, uh, to take away sin than by this foolish work of circumcision? How does it help God for man's body to be mutilated? Thus, reason scoffs at, God, at all God's works. In order to humble such opinionated reason, God commanded circumcision on pain of eternal damnation. Whether it seems foolish to men or not, God simply wanted it, or else man would perish. Isn't that great? Uh, then two, why else prescribe circumcision? To remind us of our sinful birth, which was passed down to us through Adam's fall. All right? So, uh, how did one theologian put it? I think one of my professors put it. You know, he put the mark of of the covenant right where the promise would be given, right? And actually um, the giving of a son by the father, right? So they would be reminded um, in, the, in the sexual union of marriage that this is how God has promised to fulfill his promise. It's actually through the sexual union and the giving of children, um, namely the, the, the son, the seed. Anyway, um, in this birth, we are so corrupted in our nature and all natural, physical, and spiritual assets and powers that to regain this lost grace, humble subjection of our proud reason, will, and discretion is needed. And then three, to give the Jews a sign by which they might be sure that God was with them and that they were God's people. And even if they were to scorn all, 
we're the scorn of all the world because of that sign, because of circumcision, and despised and persecuted by all the surrounding Gentiles, God still preserved and protected them from all their foes. Right? Isn't that nice? But to scorn lady reason, God institutes something that seems completely unreasonable. <laughs> Love it. So true. All right. And so uh, Chris is getting ahead of us here in her questions. So um, I'm going to hold off on your questions yet until we get through the text and then I'll answer them. Because I think uh, as we go through, you're going to find the answer. Right. So a promise given to Abraham, part of the old covenant, right? Um, why does Luke, we've heard this and I know it's been a week, but um, he repeatedly called Jesus the child. Why does he call him the child, do you think? I think obviously the seed or the offspring of of Abraham, but I think it's more than that. He is the child so that we all become children um, by faith in him, right? And then you'll see throughout Luke's gospel in baptism, we are declared to be children of God by grace, by giving on the basis of the work of this child. So we become children in the child. So for example, I'll just share a little bit of a few of these sections. Luke 7, for example, um, Jesus says, talking about the children in the marketplace of this generation, they call to one another saying, we played the flute for you, but you did not dance. We mourn to you and you did not weep, right? So children of this generation are not children, not like those that will become children in him, all right? How about Luke 9 as well? You know this section, well, maybe. Oh, there we go. A uh, dispute rose amongst them as to who would be considered the greatest, and Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a little child and set him by him and said to them, whoever receives this little child in my name, so name and being a child, receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you will be the greatest, you know? So we must all become like children, in other words, be baptized into his name so that we share his name and share his identity. All right, uh, Luke 11, and he will answer from within, this is the friend at midnight, um, do not trouble me, the door is now shut, my children are with me in bed, I cannot rise to save you, All right? Um, but then especially Luke 18, this would be important. Um, then they also brought infants to him, brephos in Greek, right? That he might touch them. When the disciples saw it, they rebuked them, probably the parents. But Jesus called to them and said, or called them to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it, right? Um, what, what do little children, how do little children receive? With open hands and hearts, right? Um, not not by demand or obligation, but rather simply by receiving as gift, uh, especially brephos, infants. Um, they really can't offer you anything. Uh, they can make demands, I suppose, um, but they, they can't do anything for themselves. They're completely dependent. That's how we receive the kingdom of God. We're completely dependent upon him, which is the picture then of baptism, right? So name, children, baptism, circumcision, they all go together. We'll see how this plays out. Uh, why is he named Jesus? All right, and it, it tells you here, name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So here, look back to both Matthew 1 and Luke chapter 1. In both cases, it's the angel who told both Mary and Joseph, Mary and Luke 1, uh, Math, uh, Joseph in Matthew 1, that to name the child Jesus before, this was even before he was conceived, right? So that's exactly as, as God had ordained. 
by the way, Jesus is the, the uh, what do you say, Hellenized version, the Greekified version of Joshua, the Hebrew word. Yeshua is just the Greek way of saying Joshua. All right? So that should draw lots of connections to Joshua, Moses' successor, uh, who takes the people into the promised land, to Jesus, who takes us into the promised land. Yeah. All right. We celebrate the circumcision uh, of Jesus on January 1st, right? Yesterday. So we heard about that yesterday. And all the connections that uh, you're looking for, Chris, as to why do we not need to circumcise is answered in the New Testament when it comes to not only baptism, but actually the New Testament is rich with uh, other ways that it actually takes circumcision as a metaphor um, for what God in Christ does for us. Uh, let me see if I can have more of this from Spangenberg. He actually gives you a whole list of them. The other ways that we now are spoken of as being circumcised. Yeah, God commands the eyes, ears, tongues, and hands to be circumcised. So the New Testament speaks in all those ways. Not just the flesh of the foreskin, but actually that, that we are entire, entirely circumcised, which means that our whole person now um, is marked, right, as those who have been uh, set free from, from sin. So here's what he says. That we spiritually circumcise all our members and senses from evil thoughts, words, and works. All right, so we cut off or remove what is unnecessary. So that our eyes see nothing impure, our ears hear nothing offensive, our mouth speaks no evil, and our hands and feet and all members are innocent and clean from all sins and iniquities. All right, so even Moses says in Deuteronomy uh, 10, O Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you, but that you fear the Lord your God and walk in all his ways? Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart. This is Moses even, Deuteronomy 10. And be no longer stubborn, for the Lord your God is God of gods, of God of all gods and Lord over all lords, and a great God, mighty and awesome, who does not regard any person and takes no bribe and does justice to orphans and widows. And again, Deuteronomy 30, God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your seed so that you may love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. All right, and then Acts 7. This is uh, St. Stephen, right? But when the Jews only regarded the physical circumcision and disregarded the spiritual one, St. Stephen reproved them calling them stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. Okay. Now there's more that can be said, but we'll leave it there. All right. Um, now we have the purification, right? That's the next paragraph there on your screen. And this we heard from Leviticus 12, right? Uh, it was the law of Moses that a woman must offer a sacrifice of atonement, right? So a blood covering uh, to cleanse herself from the blood after giving birth, right? So in the blood is life, right? And with the great shedding of blood that happens in birth, so the woman was rendered uh, ritually unclean, right? The shedding of an abundant amount of blood is a mark of death that requires a cleansing sacrifice, okay? How many days after the birth was this observed? According to Leviticus, I guess I could scroll back up so you can see it. If it's a male child, it's 40 days. And if it's a female child, it's 80 days, right? Where was the presentation to be done? in the temple of Jerusalem, in Jerusalem, right? 40 days later, she should, could, surely she could travel, make that, make that trip. What is 40 days? It's like seven weeks, right? Or six weeks. So um, why does you think Luke include these stories of both the circumcision and the presentation? This is getting after Chris's question, actually. All right, yesterday we heard from 
uh, Galatians 3, but listen to Galatians 4. And again, this will be connected to baptism. Now, I say that an heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. Right. So the law is our guardian or steward, a tutor or disciplinarian. Even so, we, when we were children, were under the bond, un, in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those, we, who are under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are your sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. So, what is Jesus doing here? He's keeping the Old Testament law as our high priest and our sacrifice of atonement. So, Jesus keeps the law. Not only does he keep it, he fulfills it. So, this is getting after Chris's question. Um, do Christians need to be circumcised? Right? There's actually a huge argument between um, Paul and Peter on this topic in the book of Acts. So, you can read about it. It goes back and forth. And then you can actually read Paul's um, conversation in, I think, 1 Timothy and also in Titus. So and Paul, Paul's suggestion is for the, for the New Testament person, for the Christian, those who are in Christ, um, to be circumcised or not is not a matter of faith. There's no, the command has been fulfilled. Right? Now that the seed has come, the sign of that promise, circumcision, is no longer required. Right? Um, and then actually the New Testament um, considers that we that the whole person is circumcised, as we were saying before, and that it happens by baptism, right? Where we are washed clean of all sins, head to toe. All right. Um, so that's one point. The, the, the point that Paul makes actually is that um, he'll be circumcised. Uh, he has, I think, is it Titus? I can't remember which one is which. One of them is circumcised because he's going to be amongst Jews. So rather than kind of stick out, um, or cause unnecessary offense, he'd be circumcised, not because he has to, just to simply fit in. Um, whereas the other, there's no need, he's going to be amongst the Gentiles, there's no point um, in being circumcised, it's not going to gain him you know, any kind of a status or, or whatnot, um, because they don't recognize the circumcision, and that's perfectly fine. All right. So there is no command. Um, I think medical professionals say it's more hygienic, I'm not even confident that's actually true. I think that's uh, more propaganda. So anyway, yeah, Jesus fulfills the command to be circumcised. It's no longer required, right? That doesn't mean you can't, you shouldn't do it or something. It just simply is not commanded under God's law, that law being fulfilled. All right, so the day for when Jesus is presented and Mary is, uh, of course, there uh, for her purification is, it's called the presentation of our Lord. It has another name. It's called the candle, candle moss, the mass of the candles, uh, on February 2nd, the 40th day after Christmas, uh, was the traditional date that the, the beeswax candles that would be used in divine service throughout the year would be consecrated, right? And there's rites and rituals for this. Uh, we don't use beeswax candles. We use oil, fillable, plastic candles, which maybe is a little tackier, but uh, so there's no need. I guess we could bless the oil that's going to be used in the candles throughout the year, but there you are. Again, Jesus is fulfilling um, the law in all of its requirements. And actually Mary, too. Um, we'll note, though, that the offering that they make is that of two turtle doves or two young pigeons, right? Which does indicate that they were poor. Uh, otherwise, they would have offered the lamb. The lamb is 
not mentioned in Luke, but of course it was mentioned in Leviticus. So Luke is, uh, Luke is dependent upon Leviticus, and he's dependent upon your understanding of Leviticus to see what he's suggesting here, is that they um, are not, he comes to those, um, he comes to the poor, right? Because he's one of them, actually. And of course, a lamb is not going to be offered for Jesus because ultimately Jesus is the lamb of God who would make a sacrifice, make sacrifice for the atonement, not of his sins, but of the sins of the whole world. He has none. All right. So again, um, oh, another question Chris asked, when did Jesus be, uh, begin to be called Emmanuel and Yahweh? Well, Yahweh is just the Old Testament, a divine name. Um, he identifies himself as the I am. It's another way of saying Yahweh is I am. So think of all the sayings, especially in John's gospel. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, the life. Um, or even uh, with Jesus speaking to the Pharisees, uh, before Abraham was, I am. All right. So he self-identifies as Yahweh. Yahweh is just the Old Testament name for God, given to Moses at the burning bush first. All right. Um, Emmanuel, God with us, the promise of Isaiah 7, which we heard on Christmas Eve. And then it's and my one of my sermons on Christmas Eve dealt with Emmanuel, God with us. Um, and then St. Matthew is the one in Matthew 1 that tells us that um, Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise made to Ahaz, the king of God with us. Right. And then again, circumcision, it was a sign of the covenant, but now that the covenant has been fulfilled in Jesus, um, Jesus institutes a new covenant, a new testament, uh, which is that we are baptized in his name, right? And in baptism, uh, his blood washes over us. Maybe, you know, already seeing the giving of blood here in the circumcision, but the, ultimately the blood of the cross is suffering and death for sins uh, for those under the law to redeem those, to redeem us who are under the law, that we would become children of God, again, through baptism, through his forgiveness. Right. So actually, um, and of course, baptism is different than circumcision in that regard. Circumcision is given only to the male child, pointing forward to the male seed who would um, save, their, save his people from their sins, the promise made to Abraham. Um, but baptism is actually given to all people, so everyone gets to receive the mark of forgiveness, life, and salvation in Christ now that he has come in baptism. That doesn't mean that the people without circumcision weren't saved, but they were saved by virtue of the circumcised one, Jesus, ultimately. All right. There is a, a strong um, tendency. You see it in the book of Acts. Um, you see it even to the modern day. There's something, what do they call it today? The Hebrew Roots Movement. These are the folks that suggest that we need to reinstitute all the ritual or ceremonial laws from the Old Testament. Um, you know, eating specific diets, you know, largely in conformity with Levitical law, um, maybe even making sacrifices to restore the temple in Jerusalem. Um, what else? The wearing of phylacter phylacteries, not cutting the beard. And then uh, things like uh, celebrating the Seder meal, which isn't really in the Bible. It's a, a kind of a distortion of the Passover meal um, or expansion. And then um, another one would be circumcising, right? So that we get back to our Jewish roots or something. Uh, not according to the New Testament. You can think here, probably a significant example is the vision that Jesus gives to St. Peter, right? Where he sees the um, the blanket or the, 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 um, the curtain coming down with all kinds of animals on it. And Jesus himself instructs Peter, now you can eat any of them, right? So he removes that Levitical law of the prohibition of certain foods. All right. Uh, different people call Jesus different names? No, not really. He just has many names. <laughs> uh, so there you go. Different, not different tribes. Um, I, I do think different traditions maybe um, have a preference as to which names they use. Lord Jesus, um, 
Jesus Christ or uh, Jesus the Christ, maybe. Some call him Emmanuel more often. I don't know. Uh, he has many names. Uh, Chris says, I just can't understand all the different types of believing. There aren't different types of believing. There's one believing. <laughs> the, the scriptures only present one faith. The, the What you're getting confused about is that that faith um, is practiced or it's realized in in different forms throughout time. God institutes, um, before Christ comes, he institutes one form. And then now that Christ has come, he institutes a new form of worship, right? But they're both given by God and it's one faith. It's in Christ. Yes, they believe in one. Um, so things do things do change. I think that's the part that maybe makes you a little, gets a little awkward for you. Um, uh, the rites and rituals in the Old Testament are largely prescribed. In the New Testament, they're actually fairly minimal. Um, baptism, Lord's Supper, absolution, preaching God's word, teaching, that sort of thing. Um, beginning in the name, blessing the people with the ironic benediction. And there's some things that are prescribed, but but for the most part, um, then there's quite a bit of freedom as to the psalms and hymns and spiritual songs that we sing, what readings we hear, the calendar that we keep, that sort of thing. Um, so there's, there is more freedom um, in the New Testament church uh, less that is particularly prescribed, and yet, um, but it's the same faith. Abraham believes in the same God, um, and yes, he goes by different names, and his name Jesus isn't revealed until his birth, or until he's announced by the future conception by the angel. That doesn't mean his name wasn't always Jesus. We just didn't always call him Jesus. All right. The same faith. Yeah. Same person. Good. So let's summarize. On the eighth day, Christ poured out his blood for our salvation that he might fulfill the promise given to Abraham and his descendants in Genesis 17. Jesus was born under the law for our sakes, that he might free us from, from slavery to sin and the law's burden. The presentation in the temple on the 40th day links Jesus to the deliverance of the firstborn sons in Egypt by the blood of the Lamb. Here, Luke anticipates how Christ would shed his blood for us as the firstborn of all the living. Indeed, this visit to the temple and his Passover visits later in this chapter identify him as the new Passover lamb, All right, which is a big theme in Luke's gospel. All right, we're going to sing a lovely hymn this week. It's an epiphany hymn. We're going to celebrate Epiphany Wednesday night. Um, it falls on Friday, actually, but we'll celebrate it Wednesday night in our Wednesday, normal Wednesday service. Observe it, I should say. Uh, it's an old text. I think it's not as old as we used to think it was. I think, I think it actually was just unattributed um, to a relatively modern author. Um, the tune is brand new. It's 2002. It's copyright. Uh, so it's new in our Lutheran service book, um, although it's written in the style of, of, a, of a Latin chant. Right? So even though it's newly composed, it has, has the form of, of a Latin chant. So I think you'll appreciate this. It's really a great hymn. Father's face. 
Son who shared the Father's might before the world knew day or night. Alleluia. O Jesus, very light of light, our constant star in sin's deep night, now hear the your people pray throughout the world this holy day. Alleluia. Remember, Lord of life and grace, how once you save our fallen race, you put our human vesture on and came to us as Mary's son. Alleluia. Today, as year by year its light bears all the world in radiance bright, one precious truth outshines the sun. Salvation comes from you alone. Alleluia. For from the Father's throne you came, his banished children to reclaim. And earth and sea and sky revere the love of him who sent you here. Alleluia. And we are jubilant today, for you have washed our guilt away. Oh, hear the song, new song we sing, on this the birthday of our King, Alleluia. O Christ, Redeemer, Virgin born, let songs of prayer join heart It is lovely, isn't it? Yeah. Like, what a great, great tune. All right. Let's see. We do have a commemoration today. I guess we have to go to the beginning of the book. Oh, because it is by the year. January 2nd. Yes. On this day, we remember a 19th century Luther named uh, J.K. Wilhelm Lea, pastor. Born in 1808, Wilhelm Lea came to maturity at the time when the Lutheran leadership, quote-unquote, of the Lutheran Church in Germany was largely in the grip of rationalism. To give a sense of how bad the, that can be, one of his contemporaries, 
C.F.W. Walther, described hearing sermons on such stirring topics as the profitableness of raising potatoes. Can you imagine? And it only grew worse by the year. Yet, in this barren wasteland, the Lord raised up faithful servants among whom was Lea. Though he never left his German homeland, Lea, shaped by the mind of the church, dreamed big. His heart turned to the plight of Northern America. He organized the sending of pastors to help gather the many Lutheran immigrants in the new land into congregations and to begin mission work among the Native Americans in Michigan. He helped found a practical seminary to meet the massive need for pastors. Concordia Theological Seminary of Fort Wayne, Indiana is the result of his work. He organized deaconess houses and helped the sisters to undertake all kinds of charitable work, above all caring for orphans and the aged. For Leah, the service of love flowed naturally and inevitably from the divine service. He wrote an explanation to Luther's catechism. He revised the liturgy. He published a popular prayer book, Sea Grains of Prayer. Perhaps his greatest work is three books on the church. In it, he provides a thoughtful meditation on the glory of the Bride of Christ and the role of the Lutheran Church within the Church Catholic. He died January 2nd, 1872, having served his beloved parish in Norham Dettelsau for some 35 years. Uh, today's prayer comes from his hand, again from the seed grains of prayer, which I have on my shelf back here somewhere. All right, let us pray. Most glorious Trinity, in your mercy we commit to you this day our bodies and souls, all our ways and goings, all our deeds and purposes. We pray you, so open our hearts and mouths that we may praise your name, which above all names is holy. And since you have created us for the praise of your holy name, grant that our lives may be for your honor and that we may serve you in love and fear. For you, O Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, live and reign, one God, now and forever. Amen. All right. Yeah, so uh, you might know Leah from not only from Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, which is where I attended, um, but uh, his missionary congregations in uh, mid-Michigan, right, Saginaw Bay area. So you have uh, Franken, uh, Frankenmuth, Frankentrost, Frankenlust, and Frankenhilf, one of which I served as my vicarage congregation. Um, those four missionary churches uh, were there to minister to the um, Native Americans, right, and actually translated... We have a, a translation of the catechism, small catechism in Chippewa, for example, from that from them. So they more or less um, did that work. Also uh, founded congregations in Iowa. So the uh, Iowa Synod was was his work as well, again, to minister to the Indians there in Iowa, right? which is just incredible, never having even left Germany uh, to see have that kind of missionary mind. All right. We pray the collect for this week. Lord God, you made your beloved Son, our Savior, subject to the law and caused him to shed his blood on our behalf. Grant us the true circumcision of the Spirit, that our hearts may be made pure from all sins. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Father in heaven, rescue us from every evil of body and soul, possessions and reputation. And finally, when our last hour comes, give us a blessed end and graciously take us from this valley of sorrow to yourself in heaven. Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We pray this day for faith to live in the promises of holy baptism, for all vocations and daily work, for the unemployed, for the salvation and well-being of our neighbors, for our schools, our homeschools, our colleges and seminaries, and for good government and peace. Let us pray to the Lord, Lord of mercy. We pray in Thanksgiving with Maureen, Blake, Matthew, Taylor, and Olivia all celebrating their birthday yesterday and today. Uh, we give thanks with 
Norm, James, myself, and Sam, who all celebrated their baptism uh, anniversary yesterday, or birthday. It's a birthday. It's not an anniversary. Uh, Let's see. We pray for our families, the households of our church, especially this week with Michael, Terry, Jesse and Lisa, Scarlett, Timothy and Amber, and Jeffrey. Pray uh, for our catechumens, Christian, Wyatt, Aaliyah, Lydia, Charlie, Kaylee, and Kimberly. Pray for all those ill receiving treatment or recovering, especially Marcella, Joe, Kelsey, Walt, Christopher, Dan, Brad, and Ron, Marla, Betty, Pat, Merlin, Heidi, and Dick. We also pray for our homebound Ed, Paul, and Pauline. Pray for our mission of the month, the Southwest Discount. Southwest District of the Missouri Senate, South Wisconsin District, um, the Urban Ministry Project. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Yep. There we are. So, good to have you with us here today. Yes, you're welcome, Eileen. Uh, Vicky's on YouTube. Good to see you there. Karen, Don and Karen, uh, Gus and Eileen, and Chris, thanks for checking in uh, and praying with us today. So, hopefully that brings, put some more, what do you want to say, meat on the bones? Uh, that doesn't really work. Uh, to flesh out circumcision. Yeah, that's a terrible pun. Sorry. <laughs> Gives you a little bit more insight. And again, um, that transition of Old Testament to New Testament is a lot less abrupt than we, I think we like it to be, or we think it to be. Um, that the faith of the old is the faith of the new. It's just exercised uh, through different rites, rituals, uh, institutions that the Lord has set up. All right. Yes, it is a discipline, the daily prayer, and I'm glad uh, that you could join us for that. So, God be with you all. Keep you safe. We'll see you again in the morning. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sherman Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org that's stjohnrandomlake.org slash support and give today.